Welcome back to the Nerdy Boxing Podcast. With me, Andy Whites, and with me today... You got me up, stepper, murderer, I'm a lyrical gangster. <laughs> you were saving that, you did that on the mic test. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you, that as a warm-up, that's what the mic test is for, isn't it? Uh, and... Bong. <laughs> Bong. That's a great intro, isn't it? It's the best intro ever, I think. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Especially when the lights go out and everyone goes, ah! That's what Howard Davis came down to last night, you see. Lovely. Um, so <laughs> Terry... so that, he's not as scary as Undertaker. No. No way. Terry but did... longer arms, though. So Terry's going to leave us after a few rounds and quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm staying positive in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we get to matters of Hearn. Um, <laughs> Hearn and Caldwell. He was on a dress down day last night, wasn't he? Oh, man, how yeah, big did his shirt? He, he's packed on the, the old timber, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> now he's having a dress down day. Uh, he he, he definitely eaten off that Joshua money, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Back to grilled lobster. <laughs> um, has anyone had anything particularly exciting to report this weekend? No. Relatively vanilla, <coughs> you know, usual usual Twitter bullying that I get, but I enjoy it. <laughs> um, no, well, I've been at a camping weekend with the kids, so I've missed all boxing bar Taylor Davis last night on my phone, sat half cut in a tent watching it. <laughs> That's how I roll, <laughs> like you're homeless. <laughs> so, were they both little babies with you for the? Yeah, yeah, well, three how, of them. How, three did, of them. how did that? I just can't imagine that's really easy. I can imagine that's a nightmare. No, not when they fucking wake up at two o'clock in the morning. You're worried about waking up a campsite, but it's a different story. Okay, let's uh, get to the the meat element of this because we're gonna eat. We're gonna tackle our content in the reverse order of a Sunday roast. We're going straight for the meat. Taylor, Taylor, and Wait, Davis. What? Well, in a Sunday roast, you leave the meat to a last, and the potatoes to a last, because it's, or, the, it's or, the best Or like bit. a Tenerife holiday, we just go straight for the meat. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I used the wrong analogy. What a fool. <laughs> um, anyway. Tweet us your thoughts on Sunday roasts. No. And Tenerife holidays. How many holidays? people should be involved in a good Sunday if roast? If you were in Tenerife roast. having a roast, what would you what, go for? What do you do with your knife? During it, uh, do you cut your meat or shove it in your leg? <laughs> Are you a leg man or a breast man? <laughs> Are you a meat man or a breast man? Sausage or breast? What it comes down to? <laughs> right. Okay. So, stuff the breast with the sausage. <laughs> Jesus. Taylor versus Davis. Bring us up to speed with what happened. Uh, I think we're gonna have a couple of different views on this. So Terry, you go first. Um. Hey, what what a fight! What an event! Um, give give both parties their due. Matchman Cyclone. They made the fight happen. And there's one thing I want to address quickly because I've I've read a lot of things. I thought they were pretty negative about the whole thing. 
we're on this podcast every time we go, we just want people to fight each other, right? This is the first time where we can legitimately say two people fought each other who had a lot of money invested behind them. This is this is a fight the fans wanted. There had to be a winner and there had to be a loser in this one. So for some of the hate that O'Hara Davis has received, I'm somewhat disappointed because think about what it means now. If you're a fighter, if you're Anthony Yard and you're offered Hosea Burton, you're not really going to want to take the fight now because you're like, well, I can find easier ways to make money and avoid this sort of bullshit. I don't want to... <clears throat> I hesitate to cut you off, but I, uh, d- can you tell us what what happened? Is there a way to give us? Because I, I mean, I didn't see the fight, so I don't even know what. So presumably, I've got to frame it though, because because that's going to shape how I, I deliver my analysis. And I think one of the the key things is to remember at all times this was a fight between two highly talented prospects. Right. Okay. What we saw in that fight was the importance of fundamentals. Um. <laughs> I, I won't. I think most people have seen the fight, so let's not bore you with the round by round assessment. But if you want to know when the fight turned, go to round three and go about a minute in, and there comes a point and you can see it where Josh Taylor realizes he can step inside O'Hara Davis's foot and work the inside angle. And once he figured that out, he started ripping those shots with the left hand to the body. And I was watching that, thinking, I don't think O'Hara Davis is prepared for this. And once that was, once, once Taylor, you know, it's, it's a traditional thing of, you know, you one up each other. So, so Taylor moves <clears> up <throat> a gear and he's expecting O'Hara Davis to respond in kind. O'Hara Davis doesn't. And at that point, I think Josh Taylor realizes I've taken the best this guy has. And then you were just there going, this, I think it's, I think it's a matter of time. When he took that knee, if I'm correct, he, he, he got wobbled by a jab, steps back, yeah. drops down to the knee. And at that point, I said, I don't know how you come back from this because now you're chasing the fight against a guy who hasn't... And, and I love O'Hara Davis to bits, so I need to just clarify this. Josh Taylor didn't move out of second gear in that fight. That's what worried me the most. But it also had me really excited about what he could do. Um, Look, I've, I've been in the gym with both guys. I've seen both guys operate. There's a lot more headroom to come from Josh Taylor. What O'Hara Davis does next... I don't know. I was worried by the preparation. They clearly hadn't prepared for Josh Taylor. It's like they hadn't watched a single Josh Taylor fight. They weren't prepared. It was wild for Mahara Davis. It showed a disrespect for the opponent. And by the end of the fight, you could see Josh Taylor was saying, you know, I'm, it was almost like watching in an amateur gym. Sometimes you get this. You get someone walk in who says, yeah, I'm a street fighter. I fought in the streets. I can look after myself. And you stick him in with a decent amateur. And you get that sort of mismatch and it almost, it almost becomes painful to watch. I think that's how I assess it. It was, it was painful to watch. And if I'm going to lay the parcel of blame anywhere, it has to be in the corner. Because I don't believe for one second Taylor trains harder than Davis. I don't think he wants it more than Davis. I think they're both professionals and they're both hungry. What it boiled down to was Taylor's camp was set up for this fight, focused on it and prepared for it. And I don't think Davis can say the same about his camp. I think fundamental, um, as Terry kind of alluded to, fundamentals just played a part. And <laughs> the rock bottom line of it is Josh Taylor is a better boxer than Nahara Davis. And last night proved that. And 
for all the talk of Ahara Davis, the grit, the heart, the determination, all those things can only get you so far if you're against an elite level athlete, an elite level amateur boxer, and at times watching it. Because the first round or so, I thought Davis held himself well. And the way he was using that kind of um, Philly shell defense, almost Mayweather-esque with rolling the shoulder, but then using his left elbow to make it very awkward for Taylor to throw anything through. And he kept lifting that left elbow, almost to the point where Taylor would have to punch it if he was going to go to the body. I thought Davis doing all right, but he was flicking that jab all the time, flicking it off the backhand almost. And straight, I was just sat watching it thinking, that's not going to bother Taylor at all, that flicked jab. And by round two, round three, I think Taylor had worked out that there's not a lot that's coming back that's actually effective. And it reminded me of when I was training for a white collar bout and I went down and trained with Terry Stewart uh, at his gym with some of the young prospects there. So there's likes of Linus Udofi and Brad Pauls that we mentioned quite often. Um, and shout out to Linus Udofi, he went 5-0 and yesterday. Uh, decisive win over Dan Blackwell, which, uh, you know, he's a tough man, Dan Blackwell. But when I was training with these lads who, you know, are upcoming prospects and I'm shit... And, like, I'm trying to throw shots that they can read a mile off. Um, and so, like, some of those uppercuts that that Ahara Davis was throwing, Josh Taylor just... It was almost like he could read the book well before Ahara Davis had got to that page. And it was... i say by round two, round three, it almost looked like amateur versus professional in a sense of... <laughs> Josh Taylor has adapted his style and, you know, he's got such a good grounding, that Commonwealth Games grounding. There is no disputing Josh Taylor is a phenomenal prospect. He's proven that last night. For me, he'd beat Ricky Burns tomorrow. Um, He'd beat Ant Crawler tomorrow if he decides to move up. Um, Ricky Burns wasn't keen on that fight, you know, in the post-fight interview when they're talking to him ringside. I think Ricky Burns would far rather go and fight Anthony Crawler than Josh Taylor, unless you could offer him an awful lot of money to go and get that somewhere big in Scotland. But um, Ahara Davis, <laughs> look, there's a lot of talk. Did he quit? You know, we go back to the Kell Brook scenario. Did Kell Brook quit? Ahara Davis quit. What, like, what round did this end in? Was it seven? seven? Yeah. Um, Ahara Davis quit. So Josh Taylor... He was very clever in that shot that <clears throat> the right hand, the right hook counter that he threw. I think he almost let Ahara Davis throw his body shot. Uh, Terry, you can probably give a, a yes or no to this. But it's almost like he was waiting. He was just, he was stalking in the corner, Josh Taylor. And he was on the back foot waiting for that mistake by Davis to be able to throw what was just a beautiful right hook counter. Um, bang on the chin. Davis goes down. But I think he... He was letting Ahara Davis throw that body shot because it lowered the gloves. He, you know, was out of position and that chin was exposed. And it just, that shot was brilliant. You could see as Ahara Davis sat on the canvas, like, what the fuck was that? Like, <clears throat> something has just hit me that I wasn't anticipating, I didn't expect, and I don't know where I am right now. But he got back up. But by the end of the round, he turns his back on him. Like turns his back and it, again that's where it almost looked like professional versus white collar bout in in that he he didn't want to be there well so in those situations I think it's often worth explaining what happens because I know 
it, it's easy to say someone quits, but I think within the word quit, there's so many layers to it. You can quit because, quite frankly, the pain you're going through is too much. Alakel Brook, or in the case of O'Hara Davis, everything his boxing foundations were built on was taken away from him. So you're you're in the second half of a fight that's due to go 12, and you don't trust any weapon in your arsenal at this point. And you're like, fuck, I've got another 20-odd <laughs> minutes with this guy, and I don't know what to do, and those three guys in the corner don't have the answers. Why the fuck am I here? It sounds to me that, just going from your two's analysis, that not only did... Taylor sort of established that O'Hara Davis couldn't hurt him, but it sort of loomed onto Davis that he couldn't hurt yeah, Josh I think Taylor he, as he well. He was outclassed and he knew it. I think that's what he came down to. And it was almost as if, if I was going to run a marathon and like I haven't done the miles on the road in advance and I got halfway through the marathon and I'm nearly dead, I'm not going to carry on the next half of that marathon. I'm just going to quit because like, it's not in me. If I'm not fundamentally prepared for it and this marathon's a lot better than I am and a lot harder, I'm going to quit. And I think that's where Ahara Davis was, that he didn't have any answer whatsoever to what Josh Taylor could do. And Josh Taylor proved as well. Like There was a lot of the analysis pre-fight saying that if this goes into the trenches, if the two stand toe-to-toe and fight, that will favour Ahara Davis. Josh Taylor proved, and he's done it in his previous fight as well, the South African geezer, I can't remember the name of... Warren Schubert. Yeah, that's it. Like My favourite racist <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> but Josh Taylor proved in that, that despite all the brilliant fundamental boxing skills that he's got, he's still a man who, deep down, he's a Scottish man that likes a fight. Like, <laughs> I think we've got a few Scottish listeners. <laughs> so, so there's a big myth, and, and this is something you always need to dispel that somehow an inner London upbringing is tougher than an inner Edinburgh, inner Glasgow, inner <laughs> Manchester upbringing. Is it hell? Like, watch films like Ned's and whatnot, and you realise, actually, that there, there are tough environments everywhere. And Josh Taylor's one of those guys. But look at Josh Taylor's life. World champion taekwondo, like, year after year. Starts boxing at 15. Two years later, is like the world youth champion or something. Two years after that, loses to Tom Stalker in the Commonwealth Games final. Bear in mind, he's been boxing for four years at this point, if that. Two years later, he's unlucky to lose to the Italian in the Olympics. I think it was like the number two seed. And the guy had seven years on it. You know, so you know what these Italians are, like Camarelli, they're just career amateurs. And then he wins the gold in 2014. So Josh Taylor, forget the amateur pedigree, just his fighting pedigree is a lot deeper than most people. Like, he... he he's not going to be phased by anything because in his head it's like, you got to fight me in that ring. And I've won so many times, I know <clears> how to win. Because um, there, there, there were little things I was watching. Um, I think it was the fourth round and you saw Hara Davis start to shut the distance down. But what he wouldn't do is he wasn't hitting to the body. He kept trying to go to the head. And if you contrast it, and I know we'll come on to this later, if you contrast it with the Daryl Williams fight where Hatton's instructions in the corner in the second half of the fight were... Just go to the body, the head will come. Not once did I hear Tony Sims say, mate, just go to the effing body. He was probably watching Towie. <laughs> Penis. Yeah, so... <laughs> and, and, you know... <laughs> He's a uh, penis. Such an old school put down. <laughs> and, 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 and I guess what I want to say in closing about this is, it all boils down to trainers. If 
you don't have a trainer who's going to sit you down and walk you through what is essentially the theory of boxing, you will never be able to make a decision in the ring. And O'Hara Davis made no decisions in that ring, which he should have been able to do. And I was just left wondering, how would he have boxed if he was still trained by Tunde Ajayi? It would have been a completely different <laughs> O'Hara Davis. I want to hit on um, the bit you said at the beginning about the grief that O'Hara Davis has taken on the back of this fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I, you... Sorry, I was going to be... Because I don't see where else... I can put this, but Mick, Senor Tasty, says, Mick, should O'Hara go on his holidays to this lovely place in Peru? I quit. I am assuming that he wants me to pronounce it. I quit. Os. I quit. Os. Yeah. Look, if you build your persona outside the ring as this like heel persona, this, you know how Mayweather did it, that everybody tuned in to wait for him to lose. And that's kind of the route that O'Hara Davis has gone down. So he's a very polarizing individual. Either you very much back Ahara Davis or you very much dislike Ahara Davis. And Ahara Davis is the one that's responsible for that. Ahara Davis has built this cocky, um, you know, put up a Mr. Invincible tweet before and he's built that persona himself. And arguably he wouldn't have got that fight last night without that persona. Um, and so fair play to him because that's what's making him money because... I don't know how much he got for that, but it probably is more than he would have got for many other fights put together. But if you're going to build that persona to be the the polarizing, either you love them or you absolutely hate them, then I think you have to accept that people are going to give you this shit when you lose. So I think when you're saying about Anthony Yarda, you know, if the fight came up for Hosea Burton, there's a very big difference there. The people don't dislike Anthony Yarda. They probably don't love him to the same degree either. It's more of a middle ground of like, Anthony Yarda seems all right. Um, and so I can see why Ahara Davis does it because it's a great market employee to either love a man or hate a man. But if you're going to do it so people tune in because they want to see you lose, you've got to accept the shit I think that comes with it when you do. No, no. And I'll tell you why I say that. If Ahara Davis keeps quiet, what happens? Ah, oh, he's sandbagging the fight. Why isn't Ahara Davis being brash? Why isn't he being cocky? Ah, oh, he's sandbagging the fight. He wants to ruin it for Cyclone. That... That's what the Twitterverse said when he was how people would like him to be. And then when he's back to being O'Hara Davis, people then start talking about the fight. So fans have to ask themselves, are you going to hate someone for giving you what it is that you want? Yeah, I, see, The pantomime villainry, I don't mind. You know when people have a little laugh and they put the memes up and stuff? Yeah, yeah. All over that. I think that's that's okay. It's when it's really personal and targeted. And I say to myself, but you don't even know O'Hara Davis. You know, you're there going, oh, I'm glad, I, I wish Taylor just, I mean, broken his nose. And I'm like, really? Oh, you, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, if you're going to hate someone to that nth degree, you're an idiot, frankly. Yeah. But and, like, if you're going to take the piss a bit, yeah. that's fine. Oh, oh, by all means, take the piss. Like, like, look, there, there, there was a comment from, from J.P. Smith that I read. I want to say the name because it rattled me a bit. And the, it was just very anti-like, shit like why do you dislike O'Hara Davis so much all right he got beaten let's have a laugh put, put whatever memes you want on I'll even have a little chuckle because I love the Brit's ability to take the piss but don't hate the guy because we complain so much when Joshua avoids all of this right when Joshua walks that middle line he's a sellout he's an uncle Tom he's this he's that he's so boring we want him to lose because he's there going 
if I have an opinion, I'm going to get shot down. So I don't want to have an opinion. So I don't get shot down. But I'm going to get shot down for not having an opinion. And I just want to just sidetrack for a second and just, just, just almost remind myself. I never got into the sport of boxing because I was a fan. I had other things I was a fan of. Wine, women and song, probably. <laughs> Still a fan. Yeah, I got into boxing because it brought me back from a dark place. Like, just as a human being, brought me back from a dark place and made me a far better person. And I thank God, without boxing, I'd probably be an absolute cunt at the moment, to be honest well, with I, you. I, yeah. Yeah, all right. Now, <laughs> probably should do a bit more boxing if I'm honest. <laughs> So, 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 so for me, like hand on heart, when, when, when I'm involved in boxing, what I'm looking for is how it's changed people's lives. Like, you know, I've spent a year with Martin and Andy, and I, I see, I see what it does for their lives as well. I see all of these, I mean, all these good news stories are what I love about boxing. So when I see the negativity, I'm almost like just hidden from it. When I sit there and I go, should I go back to just being in that boxing bubble again? Just ditch Twitter, ditch Facebook, because. O'Hara Davis is in boxing because it changed his life. Josh Taylor's in boxing because it changed his life. And let's remember that before we slag these guys off. By all means, look, take the piss, rip the piss, let's have a laugh. But keep the keep the personal animosity for those people you know personally. Because maybe they deserve it more. But strangers, you've got more productive things to be doing with your energy. But on a side note, like, I want to give the Boxing Asylum guys credit because... I thought they'd have been real assholes about this, but they were just quite functional. <laughs> they, they were, the fact they're getting credit for that. No, no, they were quite functional. they weren't assholes. Yeah. No, because, you know, normally, like, those guys can really go for you, but they were just like, yeah, Josh Taylor will win easily. <laughs> He's just too good for Hara Davis. When it happened, they're like, yeah, told you. We made our money at the bookies. We're happy. And I quite liked that because I was like, ah, oh, you know. But we'll, we'll see what they do tonight, though. <laughs> Uh, Josh Fish Finch asks, should Davis go for the rematch or go for a few wins before trying again? Hell no. It's not a rematch that he needs. Like, it doesn't sound like it's a rematch that he'd come close to winning either. There is no point in that rematch for five years. Maybe longer. Wow. Um, that outclassed. That outclassed. Yeah. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean that for Josh Taylor, he can now skip a couple of levels. Like skip European level. Because there's no point. Skip the British level. Like, Tyrone Nurse would get smashed to pieces. Smashed to pieces. Jack Cattrall smashed to pieces. There's Robbie Davis Jr., who we don't really know what we've seen the best of or not, but I'm not convinced he's any, you know, great shakes that would take out Josh Taylor. Struggled against Zabo. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, let's just see Josh Taylor accelerated a little bit. And that... um, that crossover fight, the likes of an Anthony Crawler, a Ricky Burns, that is absolutely perfect now. So somebody's on their way down from world level. Um, because Ahara Davis needs to go back and he can take on the likes of Tyrone Nurse, Jack Cattrall, Robbie Davis Jr. And that'll be fine. We're okay with that. I want him to rebuild. I genuinely want Ahara Davis to stop. And he should get someone he trusts to sit him down and just walk through and go, here are all the habits you don't have in the ring. But you will need to be an elite level fighter. You need to be a decision maker in the ring. Um, go back to that first round, even the first round and a half. Watch how many times Josh Taylor changed the way he defended the jab. He'd catch it. He'd catch and counter. He'd dip his head. He'd slip inside. He'd slip outside. He'd step back. He'd step across. 
he experimented with everything. And what he was doing in those first couple of rounds was basically going, let me see what gets a reaction out of O'Hara Davis. You know, it was almost, it was an Andre Ward-esque performance where you're looking at the first two rounds going, he ain't really doing much. And then once he'd figured it out, <clears throat> boom, there you go, mate. Live with this pace. And, he, you know, it was, it, was, it was just probably a step too far for O'Hara Davis. I think you should ask some searching questions. I hope Eddie Hearn will demonstrate his promotional skills here by saying, look, here's your route back, but here are the things you have to work on. Because he does. I, I just think maybe you go back to a Tunde or a Tony Cisse. That's my view. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Jamie Reed who asked, uh, how impressed were you with Taylor? Which I think we've comprehensively asked. I'd, really. I'd put him in with the loser of Broner versus Garcia this year. Uh, he said, what should Ahara Davis's next move be? Which you kind of both addressed there. Um, what move, what should Taylor's next move be? So yeah, we've yeah. kind of that. Uh, British Boxing Blog asked, while it's early enough for him, um, does the manner of the defeat affect how O'Hara Davis comes back? But I think you've kind of addressed that too, haven't you? In the sense that, well, okay, pad it out. Um, does it affect him? I think as much as we see the cocky side of O'Hara Davis and as Terry was saying about the grief that's acceptable or not acceptable, he's a human being at the end of the day. So this will affect him. He will have taken a massive confidence hit off of this. It's not to say that it's gone, but it's going to be a, a dawning realisation that actually the level you thought you were, there's somebody else domestically, not even out there in the whole world, there's somebody else that shares the same bit of land you walk on who can smash you to pieces and has done so. And so like that is a big confidence hit that you've got to take. You know when you go back to Groves de Gale and we talk about when they fought early on in their careers, de Gale lost that fight, but he lost it in a close points decision. That To this day, he will argue that he won that fight. Ahara Davis, in five, ten years' time, isn't going to be able to argue the fact he won that Josh Taylor fight. So he's got to go back and actually rebuild that confidence, as well as like replanning his career somewhat. He's got to go back and actually rebuild. So would it affect him? I'm sure it will, because that confidence isn't going to be as ironclad as he thought it was. Remember, he had never lost. Mm. Like he, he might have lost when he went out to try and get selected for Ghana in the Olympics. I can't verify that. He never lost in the amateurs in the UK. So he's never actually, like, there hasn't been a loss where he's had to account for it. So it's, it's all, well, it's an experience, but Josh Taylor has lost. And just in the midst of this, but let's also shout out Lockhen Boxing Club where Josh learned his craft because, Jesus, man, those fundamentals are solid. Like, there was nothing flash about what Josh Taylor did. It was, it was basic boxing done at the highest level and that was what was impressive about it no bells no whistles uh do you think this will make it less likely the matchroom will allow their men to be away fighters again british boxing blog I, I don't think boxing reality will allow that anymore look at the year we've had in 2017 i think i've said it on a previous podcast al Heyman shifted the market by saying listen on free to air tv you're going to get fights as good as Garcia versus Thurman. Now fans are like, okay, if that's the benchmark for TV fights, what am I getting for my pay-per-view? And this one, I think I tweeted yesterday, last night. How can Hearn justify charging us for some of the pay-per-views he's offered when this was free to air? 
So I think I think even Eddie accepts he's going to have to put his guys in tough. These Olympians, the Luke Campbells, everyone's going to be in tough because his stable's decimated. We keep ignoring this, the fact that he hasn't had a big win. You know, even that Joshua win against Klitschko was cloudy, and that's being diplomatic. There hasn't been much more... I mean, they're in retreat at the moment, and Hearn must know this. Um, question for both of you, really. Uh, Brian N. asks, is Josh Taylor ready for world level? Or, or did the more limited skills of O'Hara Davis slightly flatter him last night? Uh, I don't think it flattered him. He he looked so good in doing it, but I think he'd look so good against many people. So to say it flattered him is probably slightly harsh because he's he's that good. Um, but we said it. Remember after that Dave Ryan <clears throat> fight? Yeah, we were just like man, the kids dismantled him, yeah. like from every angle. <laughs> it was every angle possible. Um. Is he ready for the world level? I don't know, but who wouldn't want to see him in with an Adrian Broner? I'd love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that, but it may be jumping the gun somewhat. Or a postal. Let, let, let him have a name at 140. Like, there are guys floating around, aren't there? Like that Diego Chavez who Brooke was meant to fight. He can come down. There, there are names that he could go through. Even like a Hank Lundy. You know, these guys that the Americans would understand that if you beat him comfortably, you're not quite Terence Crawford, but you should be sniffing around Terence Crawford. I think the best career move they could possibly do for Cyclone would be to... <laughs> I know this will sound slightly crazy, and I was laughing at people the other day for doing this, but almost to buy that fight themselves and then put it onto Sky, if they could get an Anthony Crawler or a Ricky Burns. So get it in a big Scottish venue... Because the problem that they've had with this is that they can't sell that fight to the casuals because they don't have the same profile as Sky, as Eddie Hearn. <clears throat> and if Sky and Eddie Hearn aren't going to buy into it, then they're not going to get that profile, as we've seen with this fight, which is a, a massive shame. But what they need is one opportunity to get Josh Taylor in front of those, you know, the bigger viewers, the bigger viewing figures that are going to sit on a Sky one, that are going to follow somebody's career. Because I don't know what the figures were from last night, but... I'd be surprised if they were huge. I'd be really surprised. What they almost need to do is get Josh Taylor in front of those sports fans, those boxing fans. And I say it's a slightly odd concept that you could buy the fight yourselves and then put it on someone else's platform, which I don't think would actually in reality happen, but you know, Hearn's not going to cry about that. But to get a Ricky Burns, so actually to solidify yourself against a former multi-weight world champion, be the best in Scotland, a name that people are familiar with, a name on the decline, we know that, who wouldn't want to see that fight? That would be an amazing fight. And actually to do it on the biggest platform possible. I'm not advocating that I want fights on Sky rather than Channel 5. Don't get me wrong. You love that. <laughs> the fact that it's available for free to air on Channel 5 is great. But you need to build that lad's profile. And the only way, sadly, that you can do it is to get the backing and the investment of a Hearn and a Sky. And that's kind of what they need to do. Because I'd hate to see Josh Taylor's career not be able to be accelerated or not be able to reach the levels we'd like it to because of the lack of um, visibility of him, which is a risk. It is a risk of Cyclone and Channel 5. Quick shout out to Tony Chambers, who asks, all your thoughts on Taylor, Burns, Easy Night's work for Taylor, Burns passes best. Uh, your thoughts have been considered and we've already spoken about them. <laughs> so thank you very much, Tony. Although um, one thing I do want to touch on, okay, and I think there should be some kind of inquest into this, what the fuck was Eddie Hearn thinking? No, no, seriously. <laughs> that what, might be what, a long inquest. What, yeah, but, <laughs> what was Hearn thinking? They offer you the Josh Taylor fight. 
You'd just have to go on YouTube for about seven minutes to go, fuck. Um, Tony, can O'Hara fight this guy? Yes, no. Ah, uh, man, oh, I think he can beat him. Okay, cool. <laughs> Who do we need to get for sparring? Ah, <laughs> uh, Kevin Mitchell. He can bang a bit. All right, he can spar. <laughs> because I'm like, I would have just sent O'Hara Davis to GB. I'd have said, mate, 15 rounds, two rounds in, they all come out. You've got to fight every single style here, and you've got to adapt. That's all I'd have had him doing for about four weeks, is sparring those GB lads. Because that would have improved his decision-making for this fight, and there would have been no surprises in that ring. But it seemed everything Taylor did surprised O'Hara Davis, which tells me they did nothing different in their preparation for this camp. And they should have, because let's not forget, Scarpa took the best that O'Hara Davis had. And Scarpa is no Josh Taylor. Carl Chapman asks, anyone else see the parallels between last night's boxing masterclass by Taylor versus an unorthodox, wide-stanced power puncher and M&M fight? There's only one man who can talk about wide stances <laughs> out of the three of us. <laughs> so I'm going to kick this one over to Martin. <laughs> He's got a wide stance. That's important in the ring. <laughs> Conor McGregor has a wide stance. We saw... Ahara Davis doesn't have the skill set in the ring of a <laughs> Conor McGregor. So, you know, you need somebody who's perfected it over the years. That's what Conor's going to bring to this. Uh, no. Yeah, absolutely. That's That was a, a great prelude to how it's going to look in Mayweather versus McGregor. In that you've got one guy who's a fine, you know, like a, a few levels above a guy that's a little bit of a novice at that stage of his career. That's how it's going to look wild swing and you can't explain this to people just what it's like to be in with someone who's levels above you yeah and that mental draining like not even the physical but the mental like everything i throw just doesn't find a home do you know what it's like it's like when you when you're at work and you know that you haven't prepared a presentation and in your head you're like i can wing this (laughs) but there's that one person who's prepared yeah there's that one person who's prepared and he'll ask you that first question and you can't get it right, so you kind of wobble. Then there are about three follow-up questions, which by the end of, you either want to beat him up or cry. You're kind of in that really horrible position of, this room is getting smaller by the second. And it's just painful. And you sit there and you go, I will never be this unprepared again. I once got into a lift at university, and I got into uh, this lift with a girl who was on my course, and I said to her, whose presentation is it today? She went, yours. (laughs) Shit, (laughs) right. (laughs) So now I've got to prepare on the spot and on the fly, and as Terry said, that's a very difficult thing to do. That's the equivalent of what David Taylor was. Because you know, the, the McGuigans have been preparing for this for a while. They've known they were going to have to face O'Hara Davis. Um, I've, I've had some side conversations with Josh Taylor, and he's always said it's easy work. That's what he, he's always said it's easy work. And I admired his confidence then. And well, look, look at him now, even in the post fight. He's like, nah, he never hurt me. I don't respect him, but I beat him. It was always going to be easy for me. Okay, moving on. Uh, the BT card. Uh, what do we have to... Who was fighting? Tell me who was fighting. 
I'll tell you who was fighting. I won't tell you who won any. Well, I can tell you who won, but I saw nothing of it because I was right. on a campsite watching the, <laughs> oh, the Davis-Taylor yeah, fight on my me, phone. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's go through it then, Terry. Okay. All right. Uh, Jarmaine Smile versus Daryl Williams. So Daryl, <laughs> with Ricky Hatton in his corner, and you know all the casuals there. First like, fight with him as well. Yeah, the old casuals there. Like, hey, Ricky, watch what we do to Daryl. Hey. <laughs> There's only one. Yeah. Hey, oh. hey, hey, go and get him, mate. Get him. Hey, Black Nigel Ben. Hey, hey. One Ricky Hatton. Even though it looks like three people in one Ricky Hatton. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so it's a rematch. Everyone understands that the first fight was an absolute stormer. And everyone knew the second one would be a bit more circumspect because you can't have too many of those wars in your career. And I, Clifton Mitchell understood that. Ricky Hatton understood that. I still found the approach Daryl took quite strange because it was more focusing on the double jab straight right. Um, which against a taller guy, I was a bit surprised by. Um, first half of the fight is literally, you know, Jermaine Smile picking him off, circling around the outside, looking to score points, build up a lead on the scorecards. Gets dropped in the third round. Um, bit of a cuffing shot, but Daryl hits pretty hard. So, you know, you know, now it's a 10-8 even fight, you know, after three rounds. And then Daryl just slowly started to crank up the pressure. What really surprised me, considering Ricky Hatton was in the corner, was it wasn't until the end of the sixth round that Ricky said, go to the body. And it wasn't until, like, I think it was the end of the seventh, where he was like, now I need you to put pressure on him. And I was like, he could have done that from the beginning. And maybe this fight wouldn't have got to the end of the seventh round because by by round eight, Jermaine Smile was blowing, and Daryl looked comfortable. Like by the end of that fight, I was wondering, you know, Daryl had so much left in the tank that he probably could have gone harder in that fight and stopped him. And I think the stoppage would have been a powerful but statement. I'm because I haven't seen the fight, but every I put it onto Twitter last night because I saw the result and then I saw people's views on it, and every view I read apart from yours was that Jermaine Smile had won that fight. Um. Or not that it was a robbery. Don't, I don't think anyone said it was a robbery, but it was close enough that many, many people thought Jarmaine Smile had got the better of it. I was watching it, and halfway through that fight, I thought Daryl was behind. I found it hard to give Jermaine Smile rounds because when you're boxing the way he was trying to box, it has to be clean work and it has to produce a reaction. Because if you're trying to pick someone off, the only way I know you've picked him off is if his head moves. Otherwise, I'm like, that probably hit gloves. And all it took was for Daryl to get inside and let his hands go. And I'm like, well, you've kind of won that exchange because this isn't what Smile wants. So when I saw it was 96-94, I thought that was a bit generous. I, I actually remember at the end of the fight, I said, I'd probably call this a draw. Um, Richie Woodall bot- bottled it by calling around 10-10. God, that guy's oh, shocking. Oh, the frotch approach. Uh, how many times did he say <laughs> range? Like, like, like he, he, Anyone do this, right? Record a Richie Woodall fight. And just overlay it on every other fight he's commentated on. Yeah, mid to long range, <laughs> mid to short range. He's doing everything at range. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, these are boxers. They have to hit each other. What are they going to do out of range? Just out of interest. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, and, and, and people say they're like, oh, isn't he a boxing intellect? He's a boxing bellend. Him and Ronald McIntosh. I have nothing against them personally. But I'm like, you guys try too hard to prove how clever you are. And all you do is you turn fans off, right? That's that's all they do. They ruin it. You know, well, compare that with Alex Arthur giving commentary, who's absolutely brilliant. He was wonderful, I thought, during that. Uh... Um, He did what you want an ex-pro to do. He gave the, the insight. He's not giving me a coach's view, which is good. He's giving me 
that fighter's view where he's like, look, he's just having a little feel now. You know, he's figuring out O'Hara Davis and he'll probably come on strong. And you're like, okay, Alex knows his stuff. I like Richie Woodall, who just bores you. So what about uh, Byfield versus Sammy McNess, which was an upset by all accounts? But was it though? Like I've only, seen, only by the bookies. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I, I've seen a senior Byfield, and he's a lot better than he's Aaron a level. horrible fighter. Yeah, so awkward. I don't mean horrible as in like he's a terrible fighter. As in ugly. <laughs> I just mean he's <laughs> the most awkward fighter. Um, you, you can't figure him out because eighty percent of what he does is just lead, lead jabs, lead hooks off both sides, and. You had Sam McNess, who is your kind. He's just your bread and butter boxer, isn't he? Out of the East and out of Essex, hands up, one two work, one two work, body head, body head. That is his arsenal. Full stop. Asinia Byfield shows up, and he's all arms and legs, and he's all angles, and he's just walking around him, peppering him. And after the first round, I was watching this, and I said, "He's not. Sam McNess is not winning this." No, round two, Byfield cranks it up a little bit now starts to all the party pieces coming because he knows not much is going to come back he's flash as well when he wants to yeah he's a showboater did he dab when he stopped him we're coming on to that (laughs) no 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 no, no. we're we're coming on to that that's what he does this is his thing yeah so we're going to come on to that so so second round starts to crank it third round he really sticks it on him like towards the end of the round you're like shit this is going to get stopped batters McNess McNess's hands were just welded to his head like um Maybe I should have watched some videos of this guy because they had not prepared for a senior byfield. They had no answer to it. Fourth round, I was just like, please stop this. Please stop this because this kid is not going to come back from this beating. They let it go another round and then the ref stops it. And as soon as he stops it, Byfield does the dab. Yeah. Which then causes the crowd to go absolutely <laughs> mental. <laughs> so at this point, the Reading hooligans and the Chelsea hooligans are right. That's it. And there's uh, West Ham in it with McNess. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Reading and it's West Ham. Just tear this place apart. Which is what they try to do. So the, the best part of the video is watching these middle-aged men with their fat bellies. And the, you know where they do the shirt untucked thing and it hangs over the belly like a... It's, it's like the awning of a tent. You know, just that overhang on a tent. And you've got these fat middle-aged men who have nothing better to do in their lives then wank off to Pornhub and just kick off over football. Well, that's the most exciting part of their, the last 12 months for them, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so they're all kicking off. This yeah. is, this this is, is the best fight in training. Yeah. It's a preseason. And they're all trotting down, right? They're all trotting down, like these really like, just fat elephants just trotting down. <laughs> now, the thing is... It, it's not just an elephant, a fat elephant. It's, it's all the young lads kicking off. And you've got these older lot, right? Just providing the the backing track. Oh, you mug! Ah! None of them want to go to the front, right? They're all at the back, <laughs> just causing havoc, right? And then you've got this mass of people, and you don't really know who. Everyone's just kicking off at this point, and they've cleared about an eighth of the arena, like just with fighting. And you've got kids there and parents, and it's just it's an absolute disaster. You're watching this as BT's PR rep going, shit. And you know someone's on the front of Frank Warren like you told us this shit was over. Yep. And it, it, that's a PR disaster. You, you know Eddie Hearn went home, saw that, and just went... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure he texted Frank like, but you had Clifton Mitchell there. Like, he could have helped you out. <laughs> Clifton Mitchell could have just taken everyone out. On his that, own. That man is a naughty man. Yeah, just, <laughs> just by his voice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I had to sit next to him during uh, Jermaine's smile, Leon McKenzie. 
Uh, not because he was meant to. He'd taken a place at the press table next to where I was. Because he could. Because he could. Because it was his security team running it and because no one else is going to stop Clifton Mitchell. <laughs> not, even, not, even, not even his own team. No. And so, <laughs> Excuse me, mate. Oh, uh, yes, carry on. Do what you're doing. He sat there and I didn't actually realise who it was at first. There was just somebody who had taken this place. I'm like, whatever. And he's going, Jarmaine. Just hit him. He's a fucking ex-failed footballer, like mouthing off at Leon McKenzie so Leon can clearly hear him in the ring. And I'm like, who is this mother? Ah, oh, right, yeah. You're right, Clifton. Ah, uh, yeah, keep shouting, son. <laughs> Do what you want. Enjoy. Enjoy Do you want that. my seat while you're at it? Probably, probably hear better from here. Um, no, so, so, so for me, I think it's vindication that Byfield is a lot better, and Mickey Helliot's been saying this for a while, that Byfield is at least British level. Who is it he lost to? Was it Arthur Herman that he lost to Byfield? Yeah. And that was very contentious in the loss. Yeah, Yeah. because his style is hit and miss. Unless he's really dominant like he was against McNess, you don't imagine he'd get much of the scorecard. Last time I saw him was Eric Ocean, where he beat him for the Southern area. Uh, In a really... It's a terrible fight, if I'm honest. It was a horrible fight to watch. It, well, because they're both awkward. Yeah. Um, there was no niceness about that fight at all. But it showed, again, that he can... And, you know, Ocheng's a tough, tough man. Um, I remember him I remember him against Ahmed Patterson in the amateurs. Like, Ocheng was just smashing people. He's one of these guys that, if he's got the bit between his teeth, ah, he's smashing He's people. fighting for a southern area today, actually. Good luck to him. Yeah, good luck to the guy. Um, Jason Luck asks... How far do you think Byfield will go after easily beating Ness? I was impressed with his movement and long jab. Lo- sorry, long range jab. No, he didn't put ring. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Richie Wood will put enough of them in there. Yeah. Um, look, he gave you one. For me, like you can have a skill set, but at some point you've got to have the right team behind you. I don't think he's got a, a world-level team behind him. So it's about whether he wants to be world-level. If you want to be world-level, you've got to be in a world-level environment. I think he... He can cause havoc because 154 is not a deep division in the UK at the moment. Really, the call should come for him versus Cheeseman. That's the fight, really, that should happen. Him versus Ted Cheeseman. And then, you know, let's see who moves on from there. Yeah. Taking a slight step back, Dumps asks, does last night mark the rise of Cyclone Promotions? I thought last night put them on the map for the casuals. Uh, obviously, myself as Captain Casual, I didn't even watch it because I'm too casual, but, you know. Um, <laughs> well, they gambled and won. Let's be clear about that. They gambled that their guys a lot better than O'Hara Davis. They put the money up, and it was literally an investment to turn Taylor into a star. I think they've come close to achieving that, definitely in the UK. Where they go next, not sure. They could solidify in the UK by <clears> clear, clearing up and just going, you know what, we'll take Nurse, we'll take Catrell. And, you know, we'll take Burns, we'll take whoever. Or they can start looking internationally like they're doing with Frampton, where, you know, Frampton gets to move around. And you could just say, look, if Frampton fights in Vegas, Josh Taylor fights in Vegas. They've got those two options. So they're still coming along, but you need a deep stable. As we've been saying about Matchroom, Matchroom don't have it. So the rise of Cyclone will be when they have key names in all the key weight divisions. So they'll need a heavyweight, and then they'll need a middleweight, and then they'll need a lightweight. You know, it's good having a light welter, but light welter is not a sexy division. So they need they need people in the sexy divisions, and that's what will drive their growth. The problem is you've got a lot of traffic at the moment. So you've got Sky, uh, Box Nation, you've got ITV, you've got Cyclone on Channel 5. You've got David Hay coming out on uh, 
Tuesday, is it? This week, Wednesday? Well, Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, announcing. So expect him to announce uh, a deal with Dave and probably Joe Joyce to go with it. So you've got all these different things going on. Now, it's what I said earlier. And again, I'm not advocating things should be on Sky and not on free-to-air TV. But you're, you're struggling, I think, to build a sports uh, environment on Channel 5 with just Josh Taylor, because he isn't a renowned enough star at the moment. It's not to say that his boxing ability isn't that of a star, but his profile isn't. What's interesting is that uh, Carl Frampton is having his next fight on Channel 5 um, with Cyclone Promotion. So they're having it back in Belfast, they're putting it on Channel 5. I can't remember the date for that. But 29th of... July. Is it? Okay. Um, it's a real shame they couldn't get Josh Taylor... You know, even on the undercard there, just to because lots of people know Frampton, lots of people know Frampton's name, and so even if they're not a boxing fan, they might see the advert for that. They're not going to see Josh Taylor O'Hara Davis on an advert for Channel Five and go, "Oh, I know that name. I must watch it on Saturday night." On Sky Sports, that would happen because people would be watching a sports channel on a Saturday night. It doesn't happen on Channel Five. It will for Carl Frampton. So expect to see Josh Taylor pushed heavily down our throats on that fight, and I hope they do because I hope they can build that name significantly enough so that just the viewer of Channel 5 will become familiar enough that it starts to build them. Because personally, I don't think it was that much of a grab to a casual fan being on Channel 5 without names that people are familiar with. And I think Andy's probably testing yeah, that. Yeah, that is exactly... I was going to say, it, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm Captain <laughs> Casual and it didn't entice me in. I mean, I didn't have a, an action-packed evening that I couldn't have set aside for a bigger fight, in my eyes anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but it didn't it didn't rope me in. Okay, more BT stuff. Right, let's head back to the copper box then. Uh, after our brief interlude, <laughs> uh, Corker and Akandayo taught me through. So I had to catch up on this one. So I have not seen all of it. I know the result was contentious. I'm always in a close fight. I'm always going to side with Larry. I think Larry's just a better boxer. But Corker is that kind of just that bruiser, isn't he? That people love. Now, oh, man, look at him. Loads of bottle. It's why people love the Liam Williams fight, wouldn't it? Because just yeah. two blokes yeah. going just, in, just fucking throwing skill out the window and just yeah. punching each other. <laughs> and and, 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 and yeah, yeah. But, you could but, have done it outside the ring last night. It would have fit in. <laughs> but let's give Larry credit. I know we're talking about people who should fight a senior bifield and who's at what level. I'd like to see Larry fight three times this year and then see where he is physically because I still think he's a problem to a lot of these guys. It's just that he's been out for so long. There's been some promotional issues. I know there have been some personal issues. But Larry's just a legitimately good man. Yep. Like, you can't dislike Larry Akindayo. And you really... You want him to have one fight where you're like, yeah, I'm glad people got to see you perform at your best. Yep. <clears throat> no, agree. Um, Anthony Yarde against some bloke from Europe that he um, beat up in a round. Starched him. Punched him. Right hands, straight right hands. Guy didn't want any more. Saved by the ref. All Fucking over the shambles. Rounds. What a brilliant fight that sounds like. Yeah. Summary was quicker uh, than the fight. WBO European title. So, you know. It's, He's uh, ranked. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. Frank uh, Warren being in, 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 in a WBO. Included with the WBO. Yeah, yeah that is weird. Uh, weird. Day 11's Bradley Skeet. Can I be honest? A schooling by all Let accounts. Me, can I be honest? I fell asleep in that fight. Like, legitimately. That sounds good. <laughs> Mate, it's even just, better than the Anthony Yard I just gave up. I watched the first couple of rounds, right? And you know when you've been out for a few beers in the sunshine? And what you really need is stimulation to keep you going. 
and I'm watching this fight and Dale Evans has no answer to Bradley's long arms and the jab. And then after I saw that Eddie Lamb was in the corner and I was happy, I just started drifting off. And I, and <laughs> I, I imagine how insulted you'd be. Oh, you, what did you think to my fight? I'll be honest, mate. I fell asleep. I'll you be- fell asleep whilst <laughs> I was fighting. So, <laughs> yeah. So I saw it was in your corner and I thought that's all right. I had a beer. It was a bit sunny. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just, I just fell asleep, mate. No, but look, look, Skeet could have taken him out. I don't know why he didn't, but the eye box routine is to box to a plan. That's what they do really well. Um, Al Smith sets the plan. They go through it round by round. I wish they, and this is a problem with being corner to corner sometimes. Bradley at some point, probably the fourth round, should have said, I'm just going to have 30 seconds while I beat this guy up. Which he did to Shane Singleton. Yes. And that's, that's, uh, that was. And we enjoyed it. And that's the Bradley. That's that's the scheme we thought we were going to see. Sadly, we didn't. I fell asleep. So I was, I was okay with that. <laughs> well, on this, Carl Chapman asks, where do you think Skeet goes with his career? Definitely a talented boxer, but will his lack of excitement hinder his progression? You don't want to fight him. The guy's six foot one. He's awkward as hell. Doesn't really bring a viewership. <laughs> well, he does, but they all fall asleep. <laughs> he yeah. for three rounds. Yeah. <laughs> look, I look at it and I go, if, I, if, if I'm a welterweight right now, I'm like, there's no upside. You become the margarita. He's become the margarita of the welterweights, where you're like, there's too much risk here, not much reward. We're just going to avoid you. The fact is, you'll need to invest heavily. If you're Frank Warren, you now need to put money into him. Because he's won that British title outright. That was his third defence. And a shout out to Dale Evans. You know, the man on the back of the Mike Towell tragedy. Came out to... Uh, Flowers, Scotland. Scotland. I know there's a lot of connections from Dale back to Mike Tao's family. Um, He's a wonderful man, Dale. He's a lovely bloke. And so, like, if he'd have won that, it'd have been fairy tale somewhat. It'd have devoted the the belt to the Tao family and the Tao legacy. So, look, unlucky. And, you know, Dale can hopefully, you know, have another go at it down the line. But for Bradley Skeet, his name will always be tarnished in my head by that Frankie Gavin fight because how bad he was during it. Um... Don't get me wrong, he's a different fighter now. But if we saw the Bradley Skeet that took Shane Singleton apart and damaged Shane Singleton, then I would say, okay, look, I'm convinced by him now. But the fact that I'm not going to go back and watch it, (laughs) you've not given me any reason to. The fact that he's walked his way through 12 rounds against day 11s, just it's so hit and miss that I I can't see, as you say, why anyone. So he's been calling out Manny Pacquiao. He's been calling out Jeff Horn. Um nothing's in it for these people to fight him because he's not big money. He doesn't bring big viewers. So Frank Warren's either going to have to invest very heavily or get him into that probably WBO mandatory position, which will mean stepping out of the British level that he's become so comfortable within and dominated. So we'll we'll see where he goes. But, but, but you, you have this problem with him. He's not a... He's not a guy who puts himself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Brad's a top guy, like stays connected to the grassroots of the sport, solid guy, will always back his teammates and stuff, does all the right things, but he's a very private man, keeps himself to himself, lives out of where's it, Penge or wherever it is. He's just, he's just a low-key guy, so it's hard to market him. Yeah. But I did have a question for you, and this came up yesterday. I was like, I've got to ask Martin this. If you look at what Warren's doing, you're getting these area-level <laughs> fights now, which for me, were always the bread and butter of the upper level of Steve Goodwin. But you're getting these on BT now. Surely that has to scare the shit out of the small hall promoters. Why? Because if if I'm a... Who holds a, who holds an area-level belt? Um, 
fuck. I don't even know who who it is. Wadi Camacho, cruiserweight. Okay. okay, so Wadi Camacho has that belt. And he's there saying, I'm sure Match will have a cru- no BT have a cruiserweight. Frank won't have a cruiserweight. I could fight on a Steve Goodwin show. Or I could angle for a BT Sports show now. But I mean, there's a York Hall show going on now, as we record this, that has, it was meant to have three, I think, area level title fights on it. It's now got two because Leon McKenzie versus Alan Higgins got cancelled until September. And it's got an English level title fight. So Wadi Camacho versus Arfan Iqbal is happening Sunday as we record this. There's enough titles, (laughs) the different weight divisions... I don't think, um, given that the big-time promoters are also concentrating on the WBO Europeans and the WBC Silvers and the WBA Internationals, I think there's enough titles to go round that the small hall promoters can still make use of those area-level ones. Because, I mean, look at it. That Warren show didn't actually have an area-level title on it. It might have had Byfield versus McNess, but I don't think there was an area-level title. I think... I, I swear so, there I might be wrong on that, but isn't Byfield still one five four? I don't so, know if yeah. he still is, but even if that was the case, like that's one title on one show. Like if you have one show a month, that's one title going on to it. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to squeeze it to a sufficient extent where it's going to stop. Because I think they wanted to put Dubois in for the Southern Area Heavyweight, but people was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, why would you? Yeah, why would you? Stop that. So, so I think, so, so I think, I think w- w- the conclusion I drew yesterday was, if you've got as many prospects as Warren has, you're going to go after those area level titles. Like he's got heavyweights like Naylor Ball. Uh, Gorman's now part of that situation. Why wouldn't you stick those? Yeah, he's English, Gorman. Yeah, but but I think yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, just the, yeah. the sub British level fights. So where, where and I remember. You know, Steve saying one of the shows, look, we want to expand the number of area level champions we have and that we showcase. And now all of a sudden you've got Warren going, I know we've been up here for a while, but we're, we're going to squeeze down. Yeah. So I just, I mean, it looks like ominous times, so <clears throat> to speak, where you have to almost say, uh. I'm not convinced. I mean, because I think those, what BT are doing is brilliant because they're layering the cards. So you've got trade fights, you've yeah. got those area level fights, then you've got the slightly bigger ones. So you've got your Bradley Skeet fight. And it was meant to have Billy Joe Saunders against Kostidze before Kostidze went and got himself done for fucking drug trafficking and all that. But you know, that's a good layering of a card. If you had a McNess Byfield, if you had Corker and Ekandayo, if you had then the British title fight and then you had the headline of the world title fight, that's brilliant. Like as a fan, you need to get behind that. I don't personally think they're going to squeeze it down that far. I think the only thing it may do is give some of those small hall lads a platform to be able to go on. And the problem is, if you win, you're probably going to get tied up under options somewhere. Because yeah. um. <laughs> I look at Heliot now, I'm like, who does Heliot put on his show? Like, Daryl's clearly tied up with Box Nation BT for a while. I wonder where Byfield might end up now. <laughs> yeah. So so now you're Mickey Heliot going, I don't really have much. He doesn't put on that many shows now anyway, does he, to be fair? Well, he keeps losing so, everyone. Yeah. So... I. I personally don't think it'll be the death knell to that level because I think those area level bouts. Um, so Steve, for instance, when I've spoken with Steve about how he plots these things, like he's a chess player. He's a chess player, everything. And so he plots like six months in advance for these things. So I don't necessarily think it's going to, I don't think it will impact that much, but we'll see come the new season. Right. So refresh our memory on the uh, tweet that you sent out about the Daniel Dubois, um, 
fight. Yeah, so Daniel Dubois was meant to be fighting someone that I can't remember, and instead he fought someone else I can't remember. <laughs> wow! So, right, what happens is, like, three days, was it? Two days before, and they change the opponent for Dubois, and they bring over, because apparently no heavyweight can fight him. Like, everyone's scared of him. So he's fighting for a WBC youth title, and they bring over a 29-year-old South American, like, stretching the absolute <laughs> definition of youth to its to its nth degree bless you Andy Sorry. there you go that's staying in now because I've kept talking <laughs> um, so you're telling me you can't get a heavyweight somewhere in Europe and there just happened to be a South American hanging around London a 29 year old who gave away three stone on the scale to Daniel Dubois now Daniel Dubois isn't Tyson Fury Daniel Dubois isn't in that next level of heavyweight that's the super heavyweight Daniel Dubois, like this guy he's fighting, is a career light heavyweight who then has had like a, a handful of fights at cruiserweight. Eating three pizzas on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all right because he wears his hat backwards so he can compete for the youth title. But he, he weighed in in trainers and jogging bottoms and he was still three stone lighter. <laughs> <laughs> he probably had fucking shoes in those jogging... Uh, sorry, stoned in those Led jogging bottoms. inner soles, yeah. Yeah, and so... Sure enough, Dubois takes him out in... Was it a round, two round? I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking care. Hours, but yeah, it was... Uh, how does this shit get sanctioned? That's my <laughs> issue. Is that dangerous? This poor geezer from South America. Just, I don't know how much they paid him. Obviously, he doesn't have to sign up to fight, but he clearly needs the money. So you come over and get smashed to pieces by Dubois. Yeah, they took a horrible body shot. Just, ooh. The board should not sanction that. Should not sanction that at all. What I understand is, if you're looking for just someone to fight, like, to fight him, surely the cost of bringing somebody over, surely they'd be, if they really wanted to, could find a 29-year-old You could have got ladies. someone in the crowd. There's yeah. <laughs> someone in the crowd. <laughs> well, clearly, based on what we saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they they elephants. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I, I think, I think I, if we go back about a year ago, and I, I made something called the Joshua Paradox, where... You're in one of two positions with you, back then. You're in one of two positions with AJ. You either knew you were going to get the shit beaten out of you, and then you're like, "I want to be paid really well for that," or you were like, "I think I can beat this guy." Then you're like, "So I'm not coming in as a B side on a shit split." And I think Dubois is in that position where people know he's the next big thing, and they're saying, "Well, I'd quite like five grand if I'm going to get my, my face punched and give me five grand." And now Matt Skelton's not available. Yeah, or Sprott. <laughs> or Michael Sprott. Yeah, so so essentially now Warren has that horrible dilemma of he'd love to stick Dubois in with all of these heavyweights who are, who are floating around. He'd stick him in with Nathan Gorman now. Gary Cornish. Is yeah. he taking that? Is he in the best position? Is he in the best position being under Warren? Well, yes, because Hearn's money is pretty much behind Joshua now, right? Right, but I was thinking more medium term. If if is what we consider might be a possibility that. AJ walks away at the end of the contract with Hearn, then Dubois could step into that that void left by Joshua. He might well still do. I, 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 to be honest, he's only 19. Like He doesn't have to make any serious moves for another couple of years. He's going to fight the same people whoever he signed with. He's going to fight all of these bums <coughs> once a month until he gets to like 20-0. Yep. And then after that, you'll start putting him... Because they could have just whacked him in with Domac and Lardy. Yep. Right? Dom's, Dom's in shape. You could have whacked him in with Dom. Put money up and can say, I, Dom, you fight him. Can I ask a real cash question? Do you see at one point Dubois and AJ being a mega fight 
in the so, future. So I've spoken to Daniel's dad. Daniel's dad's like, Daniel will beat him next year. Put, wow. Make the fight. Daniel will beat him next year. And I believe him because he's never, everything he's ever said about Daniel has been true. Do, so, do you believe it because of what you've seen? When you take into account what you've seen of Daniel Dubois, do you believe it? Yeah. Jesus, do I ever. If, if, and I, I haven't, I haven't felt his power now that he's 19 going on 20, but if he can marry power to what I saw when he spied my lad Courtney and what I've seen since, so when he fought uh, Solomon, can't remember his surname. Nah, he just he, he's going to hurt you with the jab. He's going to hurt you with the right hand. And the guy's tough as nails. He has a chin. Um, look, he's he's laying waste to a lot of London big men. It just doesn't get talked about. He's laying waste to them. And they know it. That's why you're seeing him fight South Americans, I promise you. But I think give it six to 12 months, and I'm sure Warren will just start flicking through the back catalogue of AJ victims, and he'll start calling them up. And then you can start making that direct comparison between how AJ did yeah. versus... Wow, uh, that'll not, be an exciting 12 months. <laughs> no, I know. Him fighting but Molina. What you've got to appreciate, this lad is 19. Like, yeah, he yeah, needs yeah, yeah. seasoning, he needs... Yeah. He needs rounds, which he's not going to get at the moment with some fucking it's, South American lad. But. It's the seasoning that, that that he's lacking that AJ has at the moment. He's not technically better. I'd speculate he probably doesn't hit... AJ doesn't hit harder than Daniel Dubois. He's not faster. It is just that seasoning and that get, get into the habit of being a pro. The one who can probably make money out of this situation is Dave Allen. I think Dave Allen in, again, three to six months can probably name his price to go in with Dubois. And get it because Dave Allen is tough. He's you know he lasted five rounds with Luis Ortiz, was it? Like Dubois can probably put a dent in him. It, the only question would be whether he stops him or not. Um, but you know Dave Allen, I think, will be able to name his price for that. Now Hugh Fury had some bizarre secret exhibition fight um, that nobody really watched. And yet they still went to the extent of getting people in the ring afterwards. It was a real weird... I mean, obviously, I'm only hearing it secondhand from you guys, so pad it out for me. Well, I didn't see it. I don't think anyone saw it. It was on a half-five. It wasn't part of the televised right. broadcast. I don't know if they recorded it or not. And it was an exhibition belt. So <laughs> the reason being, the WBO won't let you fight um, if you're the mandatory um, contender for the heavyweight title, which you is. You're not allowed to fight don't know the reason why presumably in case you lose um and so instead of it being a sanctioned fight it was an well, exhibition you can just go to barcelona right yeah but liam smith <laughs> was coming off of a loss wasn't he ah. so that's uh he wasn't the mandatory i think they they made that for the title so huey fury wasn't allowed to fight under the wbo rules instead they did an exhibition bout in front of from what i understand nobody at half past five um so yeah right this raises a lot of questions because I was discussing this with people on Twitter. So if any of these people on Twitter are listening, then brilliant. Like, I enjoyed the conversations. But it's very hard to get your point over in 156 characters or however many Twitter has. Look beyond why this fight happened. Because people are going, oh, Peter Fury said he wanted to get him out in the ring. No, he fucking... They might have said that. But like this wasn't fight preparation because there's nobody in the arena. 
he might be donning the gown. I doubt he even bothered to put a gown on. He probably just walked out there, probably got changed at the ringside and like went in and just beat this lad up. This wasn't about fight preparation to get him ready for Joseph Parker. It, <laughs> I can't believe for a second it was. So read between the lines. Like, why was this fight happening? If I had to take a punt, when you look at the Joseph Parker, Huey Fury fight posters and there's a press conference coming up for it that's arranged on short notice up in Manchester on Tuesday. The fight's happening in September. All you can see on there is Juco Events, which is Joseph Parker's team, Hennessy Promotions, and Team Fury. There is no mention on there of Box Nation. There is no mention on there about Warren Promotions. This fight probably isn't going to happen on Box Nation, probably isn't going to happen on BT. And I think that's why last night happened. It's probably a contractual obligation of Huey Fury. So he's probably signed up at the beginning of that agreement to say, I will fight, for instance, four, five, six fights, whatever, on Frank Warren's shows. He probably needed to get one out the way to be able to free himself up to take that Joseph Parker fight somewhere else. That would be my... And this is all like hypothetical. How petty would that be? Because it... Why wouldn't How Frank... petty would they be with their legal requirements? <laughs> I know, but why Whoa. would you bother? Why would you bother making him go through it if he's not going to earn you anything? I don't know. Um, no. I'm, 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 I'm not saying I'm, this is fact. I'm yeah. just hypothesising. No, but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an educated guess is what you're thinking. Yeah. Or, or, because or, normally what will happen in this scenario is, look, we need you to win the world title. We'll give you a squeeze so you can go and challenge for it. You got to defend on our platform though. Now, that will be good because if it's if Duco event, you imagine they're the lead promoter on this because they've got the belt. Um, if they say, "Look, we'll go on the Sky platform," fine. But if if you suddenly win, and then maybe Frank Warren does, I the whole Fury thing. Let's be honest, is an absolute mess at the moment, and I'm disappointed that no one, not Mick Hennessy and not Frank Warren, has sought to seek clarity on this and considering how litigious Frank Warren is I'm surprised he hasn't just sued UK anti-doping <laughs> and said I am going to bankrupt you guys because you're taking money out of my pocket with Tyson Fury there you go there's a lawsuit we'll drag it out till you run out of money you just have to let him box they could have done this a year ago so this- Frank doesn't ma- doesn't launch petty squabbly lawsuits mate <laughs> that is not his style <laughs> so to clarify <laughs> we will find out more I presume about Huey Fury, Joseph Parker on Tuesday, I think it is, his press conference up in Manchester. But don't be surprised if it's not on BT Sport Box Nation, because all that I can see was that last night's fight was just an exercise to count the clock down and get rid of that final obligation. I might be a million miles off. Um, Don't sue me if I am. Um, (laughs) Why not? Uh, open season. It's always open season on uh, New Age Boxing. If you want to launch a legal uh, challenge to anything we've said, just go ahead. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see as it comes along. But that's the only explanation because last night's outing for Huey Fury was not to get him fight ready for Joseph Parker. Okay. Right, are we ready to go on to the World Boxing Super Series? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not watching that shit. Wow. You're not watching that shit. What the fuck? Right, so there was this um this really crazy draw that happened where people were pulling their opponents' names out of the hat. No, no, they weren't pulling them out of the hat. 
This is what I text you the other day. They just tell you who they want. They were physically picking them. So if like if it was oh, a lineup, four okay. people on one side who were seeds one to four. So in the the super middleweights, you had George Groves number one, Callum Smith number two, number Eubank three Abraham. was Eubank or Abraham because the winner of that fight this coming right, week okay, would be yeah. number three, and number four was. Oh, then did you just point who they want? And I can't remember who it was. It might be that Yildrim. <clears throat> As I said, I didn't watch it because I was watching the. It was yeah. clashed with Davis Taylor. So they literally stand there. George Groves, number one seed, gets to pick who he wants. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't see that, but okay. Right. Yeah, That's so he picks better. Jamie Cox, um, who's now a matchroom fighter. So George Groves will fight Jamie Cox. Jamie Cox. So Paddy Fitzpatrick had put out about no one's going to pick Jamie Cox early on. He's such a dangerous man. He's such a weapon. <laughs> George Groves steps up. Number one, I want Cox. <laughs> All these stories about Cox going around just laying waste to people in gyms. <laughs> and George Groves like, yeah, I'll have him. <laughs> so it makes you doubt these Jamie Cox stories somewhat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Callum Smith picked uh, Scogland. Uh, Eubank picked... It wasn't Brandt, it was... Right, so he's got Yildrim. No, so he's Eubank... got Yildrim, hasn't he? And Bremer's got Brandt. That's it, yeah. So Eubank got to pick, despite the fact... I didn't see it, right? I, I don't know who picked. Now, maybe maybe I... they held hands when we... they picked. No, <laughs> I know the Eubank side. I need to go and watch this, because I haven't seen it. I know the Eubank side were picking, but the only thing I've seen, right... <laughs> Is a face so they get each of them. So you get Cox and Groves standing face to face for the photo with the World Boxing Super Series logo in the background. That's the official like head to head. So then you get Callum Smith and whoever it was, uh, Scogland head to head, and then you get Yildrim head to head with Chris Eubank Senior. <laughs> So I don't know if Senior picked on behalf of Junior and Abraham. Oh my god! (laughs) Neither of them got to choose. Just showed up from Wimbledon. Yeah, it's like saying when you're a kid, who's going to pick out of me and you? Because we don't know who's going to win now. For don't worry, my dad's going to be there. He's got the hardest dad. (laughs) Mine wins. So Senior was in a head-to-head with the opponent. Wonderful stuff. Um, Terry, like, tell me why you think this is shit. Because I looked at that lineup and I said, in terms of like just legit stars for super middleweight, we're yeah, but yeah, for super mid, you've really only got Groves, like Smith, still prospect level, Yildrim, he- allegedly heavy-handed but prospect. Bramer was one seven five. He's come down. What, he's, he's not fought that weight in <laughs> eight years. Who? Bramer, seven years. Eight no, no, years? that's what I mean. He, he was yeah, a, yeah. he was a one seven five who's come down. Yeah, and he's an old man. Bra- he's gonna get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> he is. The dark horse is Brandt. So I've heard a lot about like the Americans talk a lot about Brandt and he, you know, I mean causing havoc, inspiring. So let's see, he might be the dark horse of it all. But let's let, let's let's be honest. Who's not there? Ramirez not there. David Benavides for for dark horse. Benavides is not there. Likely to be fighting Durrell for the WBC. <coughs> Durrell's Who's not there. <laughs> The other Durrell's not there. His uncle's not there. <laughs> His uncle's nowhere, mate. He's underground. I think he entered the cruiserweights. <laughs> but but essentially, Gale. yeah, DeGale's not there, but we understand that you know that's an injury reason. But I think the key message is there are enough people outside of this that this is not going to be definitive. It will be cool, but 
what, let's see. Let's see if we can get this all done in a boxing season. So, uh, David McGinney asks, if you couldn't back Groves or Usyk um, for either World Series events, which boxer from each weight class would you back to I'll, win and why? I'll gamble on Brandt. He's unknown, um, unknown quantity, but why not just go with the underdog? I would go with, I think, Eubank and yeah, um, Kudrashov. For the I'm curious words. as to why you didn't even mention Eubank. You don't give him a chance in this. I, look, how many fights have we wanted Eubank to be in that just haven't gone through? You know, there'll be something or other. Like, I'm just a cynic. Like, I'm amazed he's signed up yeah, for this. Have, have, haven't they got people on reserve, just in case? He's, got, he's uh, signed up so that he can pull out. Vincent Feigenbert <laughs> is a super middleweight on reserve. <clears throat> yeah, as Shannon Briggs once said. We don't know you, champ. For fuck's sake. got spit. <laughs> How are you carrying that much spit in your mouth? Mikel Brook. A pint of saliva permanently spit. swimming. <laughs> Quick stab him in the leg. I leaked sperm. Right, moving on. Uh, I'm now donning a rain mac in case we have another slip up. <laughs> Spit up. <laughs> right, so we've got the Cruiserweight. Let's move on to the Cruiserweight Super Series. Uh, Alexander Usyk uh, against Marco Huck. Marco Huck's getting finished. Is Usyk the number one seed, is he? Usyk's is number one gonna seed. Work? So then Mergasiev is the number two seed. Yeah. Right, and he's he's fighting. Oh, here we go. Vlodikarczyk. That'll do. Yeah. Um... Then you've got Bradis, and he's fighting Mike Perez. Bradis presumably is the third seed. Yep. So Perez isn't even seeded? Nope. Okay. And then um, Dortikos versus Dmitry Kudryashov. The Russian hammer. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, how do we see these fights pan out? Usyk, Huck, I'm assuming. Usyk just... Is Huck <clears throat> go, leaving, he'll finish in a, him. leaving on a stretcher? Yeah, yeah he'll finish his career. <laughs> he will really no Huck's like Huck's seen better days and Usyk is prime he'll get hurt Gassiev versus Vladikarskir from Poland Gassiev <sighs> I detect a, a, a serious lack of interest I'm not I'm, I'm not really has not I'm, I don't give captured a fuck. your imagination no it hasn't man it's, it's a shit tournament it's not shit these are You've got the four, the four world champions of cruiserweight. In a dead all division. Signed up to Listen, this. the biggest fight in the cruiserweight division globally is it's Isaac Bellevue. Chamberlain oh, right. versus <laughs> Lawrence Okoli. I'm not even lying to you. You are. That, no, no, that's the biggest fight in the cruiserweight division right uh, now. That's that's the sort of division it is. He's lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. You've got the opportunity. You've got four world champions. All taking part in this. So at the end of it, you have yeah. one unified world champion, undisputed world champion. Guys are going to get injured. I, I, I'm just, just look, the cruiserweights. When has that been a problem for boxing? No, the cruiserweights are more amenable to. I think it's more the super middleweights that piss me off. Where I'm like, well, where are the Americans? Oh, absolutely. Al Heyman has just gone. Well, you can have your European tournament, and I'm going to keep my Americans over here. Okay, so we're looking forward to this. Bradis Perez. Uh, who knows Mike Perez like Perez is my, my tip to win it depends it. if he gets pinged by the time it starts so you're, you're saying Perez could win the whole thing yeah mm-hmm. okay right anyway let's move on because we're not we're, I yeah. feel like we're yeah, pushing we're, something pushing a a boulder up a hill I'm looking it. forward to it fuck it we're fuck sipping it. the Kool-Aid here fuck a Kool-Aid 
Chamberlain. Right, who would be... Kev Morrow asks, <laughs> who would be your eight for a World Boxing Super Series heavyweight competition? And uh, seeing as you're so electrified by this conversation, Terry, um, he, he suggests <coughs> AJ, Tyson Fury, Wilder, Povetkin, Parker, Hay, Ortiz, and Brown. Well, what's, the, what's the point of asking the fucking question? There's no... <laughs> Yeah. No, no, the heavyweights. Yeah. Well, then he puts in <laughs> Vlad too. <laughs> well, all right, mate. All right, I'll so take. He's got nine. He's after right. eight, but he's already given us all nine. Right. I'll take Hay out and put Vitali in. That's about it. That's about as far as I can go. Yeah. Thanks for the question, yeah. Kev. Can we get? To, can we get Tyson back in? Well, we can say him in. A, we can say him in a different order if you want. But there's no order, mate. There's not that many to choose from. Well, you could put him the Fury. other Fury. Yeah. You could put in Dubois as a bit of a wild card. Uh, no, oh, well, fuck what, it, I'm no, going... no, no, no. What's the lad from Brighton? Oh, <laughs> oh the world swinging uh, yeah. Nick Webb. Yes. I'm having Nick Webb, Dave Allen, Matt Skelton. Uh, Tony Bellew. Dorian Darch. Dorian Darch. Bellew. Harry Miles. Paul Smith Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Miles. That's it. Done. There you go, Kev. At least you were the inspiration. <laughs> And I'm picking Smith. Bonkers chat. I'm picking Smith. If he can get down to heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shamir asks Is the best conclusion for Connor versus Floyd AJ showing up and laying them both out with chair shots, setting up a 2v1 <laughs> at Box Mania? Hashtag think of the PPV. Uh, yeah. No. Is it fuck? Listen. Chokeslam. <laughs> Chokeslam. <laughs> It has Dong. to be. Yeah, no, literally, kick to the gut, choke slam. I'd probably want to bring back the power driver as well. I mean, so, I mean, AJ can break all the rules because, you know, he's the most important man in sport. But definitely, man, you've got to work on your finishes. Chair shots, are, I mean, you're not allowed to draw colour anymore. No, you wait, what's, what's Connor's, like, special move in the UFC? They have, like, special moves, don't they? They like, like a Superman punch. You know, it's always the armbar for Ronda Rousey. Like, yeah. something that's affiliated to them. Whatever it is, AJ does that to Connor. Like, really, just to... He's insult him. Yeah. Just to really take Just shows up in a big fur coat and a beard. <laughs> With an Irish accent. <laughs> and he's whited himself up. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. With a white stuff. Whitest stuff possible. Just doing the splits. <laughs> With the height advantage, there's no way Connor can even come close to the width of that stance. And then he can, he can roll in. He can roll in. <laughs> the first time McGregor goes down. <laughs> he rolls out and AJ rolls in all fresh <laughs> <Wise. laughs> um, moving back slightly I'm not entirely sure how this is how this would work but Josh Tulip asks now that there's four belts up for grabs on the uh, Cruiserweight Super Series is it the perfect opportunity to scrap them and introduce a single belt I'll let him uh, give that idea to the WBA the WBO yeah, the WBC how, and the IBF I, honestly, I don't see how that would work Josh just simply because um, they don't they're not there for any other reason other than money. Yeah, well, no, but, but what, what you would get is you'd get a lineal champ. And it's about whether the fans want to then say the lineal champ is more important. Because if they do that, then the belts are irrelevant, right? So it's up to the fans. If the fans say the lineal champ is more important... You have that in theory anyway. Like, yeah. It should be. But, but this way, if you do win this tournament, you are the lineal champ. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to get rid of... It's not like they're all going to go, OK, for cruiserweights, we'll just have one governing body and that's going to be you. Uh, because yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's feeding off of these things so like what's as the much betting, as I love the idea what's the betting that when it's all up when it's all finished 
like within a week, one of the belts gets stripped off of the winner or some horrendous, oh, some stupid reason. That'll be yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, it'll be one of those like like Brewster's Millions where they just come and repossess everything. So you win the belt, they're like, ah, oh, mate, <laughs> fun's over now. Yeah, we need these for next year. Yeah, fun's <laughs> over. Um, okay, Arthur Wallace asks: Fantasy card, three weight categories each. Go current boxes only, of course. Oh crikey! A moment of thought about this. Let's Fury, Joshua. Um, okay, yeah. I haven't thought about this. Oh, crikey. Okay, so I went for Eubank, Billy Joe Saunders. If I could make people fight, if I could make them fight, uh, and then I went AJ Wilder on the basis that Fury won't be up to shape yet. It's fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, my stretch was Lenares, Robert Easter Jr., <laughs> Again, I've captured Terry's imagination. But good, good, <laughs> no, but good call on remembering the, the the three important weight classes. I did like. That. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I did it for. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I saw what you were doing there. <laughs> um, Terry, Panda, uh, humorous. Probably Roman Reigns versus Triple H. <laughs> Just to just to just to get it going. No, no. What so, type um, of event? Ronda Rousey versus Katie Tate. I, I tell you what, I Let's would go. like. Look, if 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 we assume that they can make the weight, Hay versus Ward at heavyweight, I'd like. Um, I'd also quite like Eubank Junior versus Groves, and then Mikey Garcia Villanares. Works. Okay. Thank you very much. Arthur Wallace. Right, so we have a large question from Patrick Smith in Southern California, or SoCal, as uh, Terry has informed me they call it out there. The OC, baby. Orange County. You never watched the OC, did you? No. The OC? No, I didn't watch either. Is it good? Nah. But it had a great theme tune. Yeah. No, no, no. It, was, I swear the theme tune charted. I might be wrong on that. Greetings, mates. It's not really how we use it, if I'm honest, Patrick. But yeah, fair Good enough. Try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better than my top, American. Top, top marks for trying. Buddy. Why, <laughs> Why are we yeah. fucking already? <laughs> He's taking the time to write his email. We've been absolute wankers. Sorry. Yeah, um... Greetings, mates. That's exactly how we use it, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, while this has been the best year for boxing I can remember in quite some time, there seems to be more and more questionable scorecards and controversial decisions occurring. What would you say is the root of this? Question one. <clears throat> I don't think there necessarily is. I think the, the root of what he's highlighting is social media. That's what um, the answer to this is, is that these things have gone on for years. If you think that questionable scoring has occurred in the last five years, then you're miles off, I'm afraid. What it is, is that now there is a magnifying glass upon anything, and you get people that want to call something a robbery when it's close. You want to call somebody completely miles off when somebody else would have a different interpretation of it. What social media gives is that ability to magnify every single potential um, where you disagree with somebody and therefore, I'm not saying you, I'm saying that social media users. And so you get, I don't know, say there's 50,000 people that follow uh, boxing that are on Twitter. 
of those 50,000 people, how many views are going to align 100%? And then how many are going to be at different ends of the spectrum, see things in a different way? And so the moment that you disagree, especially the more vociferous people out there, with something that a judge has seen, then you're just going to highlight it all over social media. So these things have always gone on, but Twitter hasn't always been there to to highlight it. Uh, Well, then he goes on to say, a few things that I'm worried about from a fan's perspective, is it due to ineffective training? And I'm assuming, because then he goes on to say, inexperienced judges in big events. I'm assuming that he means training for judges? Here's the problem with, with judging. You know, I think we discussed this before. You can you can have a card. Well, us three could have cards, right? And we agree on nine of the rounds. Three of them are 50-50 rounds. Martin scores them all for fighter A. I score them all for fighter B. Andy scores 2-1 to fighter A, right? We all agree that they're debatable rounds and they could have gone either way. I just score them all 10-10. <laughs> 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 Terry, Terry filled his in earlier because he knew he was going to sleep after <laughs> <laughs> what Terry you've already filled in your cards yeah I like to get out of the way <laughs> yeah. so you can end up with a six point swing between two cards yep. and it's not through any malice or incompetence it is literally just I stuck to what I like and then you've got Andy's one and then people go well we, th- we feel Andy's right and the other two are wrong do you see what I mean? But right. again, it, it seems the but most. But we broadly agreed, though. We yeah. we agreed on nine out of the twelve. When I sat and watched John O'Donnell versus Eric Cotching down at York Hall, I sat ringside, and Steve Goodwin was sat on the other side of the ring, and he comes to me halfway through the fight, asking how I think I've got it. <clears throat> and me and two other press people were sat there. All of us had it scored for O'Donnell, whereas he was saying everybody around his side of the ring had it scored for Eric Cotching. And it's just down to perspective of yeah. how you see, like literally, the angle you are seeing the fight from. In that a lot of the time, the fighter will tend to um, have their body positioned in some way next to their corner. And so you end up with very... um, (laughs) The angles that you watch a fight from, from different sides of the rings, will vary so much in terms of how you score that fight. that That's why you have judges, like three judges, located in different parts of the ring. So, But also one of the problems you have with scorecards is... (laughs) Every mug and their dog is an expert now, aren't they? Well, well and, actually, can and, I just just, bef- mm. just well, I, I just <laughs> I just don't want to steal his thunder. That's all, because he then goes on to say two things. Don't get thunder in the OC, mate. No. <laughs> it's cool all the time. West, Damn West, y'all. I've seen the adverts. So can you, you blow a crib? Um, <laughs> right. Anyway, he says, could it be due to network commentator bias that causes the viewer to think they are seeing something they may not necessarily be seeing? No. What happens after a fight? right? Everyone has a 12-round view of the fight. So then they go, I had so-and-so up by two rounds. But if you'd got them to score it through the rounds, they'd probably look at their scorecard and go, that's not how the fight felt to me, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So when you score something in microcosm, as judges have to do, you're saying, who won this moment? Who won this three-round stanza? Who won that three-round stanza? Yeah. Most people on social media are going, I saw the whole fight. And based on the whole fight and knowing the result, this is what I now think. If you'd ask people to compile scorecards, <clears throat> I think there's an app that does this. And then it's really interesting to see how people score stuff. I've got that app. I'm not used to it yet. Is it Throwdown <clears throat> or something like that? Uh, fight. Wait a minute. I've got my phone in front of me. I'll tell um, you. He also asks, social media mob fight mentality score. that I've forms got... people's opinions. Of what re- I think it, you well, kind of touched it, on that. It is. And it's more to the point. Like, Who's really qualified to judge apart from judges? Uh, so so to, to use an example, 
take a complex fraud case, just legally, a complex fraud case. There are probably about seven judges in this country who can understand the most complex of frauds. You read it in the paper, you go, oh, mate, he's fucking guilty. That's the first thing. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you read that and you go, he's guilty. But the judge has to deal with incredibly complex and nuanced arguments and then reach a conclusion. That's why he's paid a shitload of money. That's why he went through years and years of training and experience. And it's the same in boxing. There are probably nuances that if you're not attuned to them, you miss. Mm. You know, one of the examples was, and I had to rewatch the O'Hara Davis fight with Josh Taylor. It was in the third round when Josh Taylor stopped. Well, actually, he split his work and he said, when I've got the outside angle, I'm going to fire the straight left at O'Hara Davis. Then I'm going to confuse him by coming inside and letting him have the dominant foot position. And then I'm going to attack his body. So I'm going to attack his head on the outside angle, attack his body on the inside angle, coming over with the hook to finish. How many people listening would have noticed that? Probably not that many. Mm. But I'm sure the judges would have noticed that. And they go, oh, okay, I can see what he's trying to do now. And and that's what I mean about some of the nuances when, when you're trying to evaluate who's doing what. You have to look at more than punches. Because was a CompuBox that got shit for the Pacquiao horn fight, yep. which, which we don't have to discuss for the record. But the Pacquiao horn fight where they, where they started to, to... What was it they said? How can two men hitting a clicker be called CompuBox? <laughs> But Bunce, I don't know if you listened to uh, the yeah. Bunce Costello one. They ripped apart the whole concept of CompuBox and their power punches and non-power yeah. punches. Y- it's like, how, how can you define it? Like, if you're playing rugby, you don't have a power tackle and a non-power tackle. Yeah. I imagine how crazy you'd seem for suggesting it. <laughs> it's just like every punch has got power. Inventing a concept, a completely new concept for a very old sport. But you know how, like, on if you're playing fight night... I can do that on fight night because I can hold down like B or whatever <laughs> until like I built up my power bar and then I unleash hell <laughs> and I miss. But at least I know that I've like I've drained my energy. That was a power punch. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the real world, if a boxer winds his arm up <laughs> for ten seconds beforehand, you know what's coming. Um, yeah, I, 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 Patrick, thank you very much for that. Very keep asking more questions. That's a pretty good question, uh, actually. So. I mean, definitely keep firing those in. Thank you. Martin, you have to tell us what is the, uh, if someone wanted to maybe ask a question that was more than 140 characters or whatever it is on thingy, <laughs> then what is the email address? Newageboxing at outlook.com. Feel free to send in your comprehensive questions. Um, obviously, get in touch at the normal Twitter handles at newageboxinguk, at the seven wolves, the s- digit seven wolves, and at newagepodfather. Um, moving on, a preview of the Ubet Junior fight. This is against Arthur Abraham. Yeah? It is. Um, to decide who gets to ask Eubank Senior who they're fighting next <laughs> for permission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Firstly, right, I want to throw it out. It's a quality card. This you got Lee Selby uh, defending his world title. You got the undefeated Martin J Warden and Takakache fighting um, for the British title. You've got Kid Galahad having a decent step-up fight. Robbie Davis Jr. having a good step-up fight. Chris Congo's fighting. Uh, Joel McIntyre, English like heavyweight champions fighting. It's a good card. Um, and so I'm all in favour of it. I'm, I was having this discussion with someone the other day. They said, ah, but it's not pay-per-view. I'm like, look, it's almost... The argument of what is or isn't pay-per-view is almost distinguished by the fact that Sky have muddied the water so badly on what is or isn't pay-per-view. That <laughs> how can you possibly say something isn't pay-per-view? 
when we've seen the shit that is. Yeah. So, like, if that benchmark just keeps getting lowered and lowered and lowered, everything by rights is pay-per-view. You know, look, I, I get annoyed by this. Eubank versus Abraham is a good fight for Eubank. For his stage of the career, this is perfect. This is a, right, take, take the old man out, make him feel old. I mean, now you're relevant. You're going to go into that tournament. You're going to do your thing. You're now established as you a You carry the name star. of Abraham behind you. Yeah. And, and whichever other carcasses you mop up in this dead tournament. Um, <laughs> Shouts out to Cali. Um, <clears throat> so open-minded. You know, and then you, you know, you, you got Chris Congo. Class. Yeah. Class. Kid Galahad. Doped, but class. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Davis Jr. Class. We were talking about him fighting O'Hara Davis before Josh Taylor stepped in. So you got Lee Selby as well, a world champion. Look, you have this. This ticks all the pay per view boxes that Sky have established. If this was a Hearn card, he'd be he'd be doing a sixty minute interview with Coogan about how great this is. So let's remember that. And you're paying three quid less than you would for Sky. If you don't want it, <clears throat> don't pay for it. But but don't say it's a crap card because. In a year of pretty good boxing bouts, then at least ITV are getting their people out active. And also, uh, look, I'm not here to advocate one way or the other, but you don't pay for ITV. You pay for Sky, and then you pay for a pay-per-view on top of that. So if you see it as that, if nothing else, then at least you haven't got that initial paywall to get over. Um, so look, it's a, it's a good card. I'm a fan of it. Who's noted about um, the weigh-in is on Friday at the SSE Wembley Arena. Ooh. Anyone seen this? No. Oh, so the Mayweather thing, isn't it? Yeah, you've got the Eubank weigh-in against Abraham at Wembley Arena on Friday, followed immediately after by Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor at the press conference. Um, so whether people start to, you know, come along and see that, but like, who's <laughs> to me? I don't know whether I'm going down Tin Hat. Avenue doing this. I'll let you know. Terry, if you can pass me over, then uh, that'd be great. (laughs) He does love wearing that bloody thing. There's there's fingerprints on this to me. Like, Al Heyman is involved with um, Floyd Mayweather. Al Heyman is allowing Lee Selby to fight on the undercard of this. He's an Al Heyman fighter on the Pox and Sports show. To me, there's a few links that start to raise question marks. Someone, someone has to check their their WhatsApp messages from about last year. Oh, well, when you predict- when I when I when I said, isn't this just Heyman? Like I know you're saying it's Pox, but I remember just thinking this feels like Heyman. Because- I, I don't I don't necessarily think this is Heyman by any means because I think if it was, you would get more Heyman fighters on there. But I think there are links. Mastheads. So you need mastheads, and a masthead for me is sticking Salby on there. Would we see Frampton on there? Maybe on a pay-per-view platform. If Cyclone need a pay-per-view platform, we were discussing this earlier, right? ITV have a pay-per-view platform. So it could it could happen. But but Hamer's not stupid. He sees what the UK's doing. And remember we discussed this before, we say UK events break even without the TV, right? This is true. They break even. Her, her on the brought, gate receipts. Yeah, Hearn has brought that discipline <laughs> Apart in. from summer madness or whatever. <laughs> Matchroom. <laughs> so, 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 so Heyman, and I think I've said this before, I've always thought the aim of Heyman is to sell PBC like the UFC was sold and make a couple of billion for it. So international reach will be a key consideration. So let's not be surprised. I'm not going to say it's 100% yet, but it all smells a bit of Heyman. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this is a Heyman production, but anyway, I mean, I... Somebody said to me the other day on Twitter that 
Richard Poxon was just a Heyman stooge. I don't personally think that's the case. I do think this is fronted and put together by Richard Poxon. But there are an awful lot of Al Heyman fingerprints and signposts, perhaps, around the Lee but, Selby stuff that maybe in the future we might see something. I, I don't know. But whenever I've discussed this on Twitter, people are like, oh, I know you read too much into it. But if there's... Often in, in boxing, like if the business side of it, if there are enough reasons for something to happen and if there are enough gaps for you to read between the lines, then there's probably something in it, maybe not immediately, but seeds that... Uh, don't delete this podcast. In like 24 months' time, if this comes off, maybe it won't. We'll look like dickheads, whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I'm just saying I think there are possibly fingerprints. Because, but the, the people who shoot you down are the same people who actually believe Lou DiBella promotes fights. Yeah, and they're actually the people that think Eddie Hearn makes fifty million pound on every show, <laughs> and then Hearn can tell Joshua what to do. Yeah, yeah, like, they're the people that take things at face value. Sometimes you have to just dig a little bit beneath the surface of things. It's very much, um, I say, the fact that Mayweather McGregor, because Mayweather, Mayweather McGregor could go at any time, any time to do that press conference anywhere in London. They could do it at Wembley Stadium and fill it. Maybe not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's enough interest. So they don't need to do it immediately after a Eubank Abraham press conference. It's not like they need to save money on it. And like, well, you've got the tables out, lads. We'll just borrow them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, they're not having to do that. There's enough there yeah, to consider. And, and, and look, for boxing fans, ask yourself, right? ITV, multi-million pound corporation. You're really going to trust Richard Poxon to helm your pay-per-view platform because his address book contains which fighters exactly. And that's no disrespect to Richard Poxon. He has his lane and he's successful in his lane. But Lee Selby's a different beast. Um, Eubank Jr. is a different beast. They don't have to listen to him. So who are they listening to? Unless they know Heyman's involved. Now, if David Hayes says he's on the ITV platform, be absolutely clear Heyman's involved. He won't. He won't. Mm. He'll go with Dave. Dave ITV, what would the difference be? The channel. <laughs> Apart from that. Yeah, you know, but essentially, it'd be the same thing. I, I, I would imagine there's common ownership between us two, Tin Hat Time. But if when you start to see that critical mass flowing, then you will start to see the, the Heyman model. Theoretically different brands all coexisting. Because really, like, yeah, we talk about PVC... But Frampton doesn't really fight under the PVC, but he's a PVC fighter. He's on their website. So you'll start to see that that brand diffusion. But we're in an interesting time right now where the truth has to come out eventually. Um, I see Eubank Senior was spatting off again about how he's a fighter and, you know, they can't switch off the off button. And when you get hit, you you know, and then he then he actually referred to the fact that he's got criticism for saying that when fighters back out, oh, yeah. Um, people have said that fighters should back out in case they get hurt. Well, yeah, you, you can't just pull out because you have your dignity. Uh, I can't relate That's to That's what this. I thought. Now I've got three kids. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pull out because of my dignity. <laughs> she listens. Mine, yep. <laughs> you said. Dignity. <laughs> Right. That's why I had to get the cut. I, I, so, I, I, I said sorry, nothing Claire. because I know who listens to this. So I'm, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. 
There you go. Stoke Someone's getting <laughs> pegged tomorrow night. <laughs> gonna... that, um, that is a, a great time for us to stop. Um... <laughs> no, argue the inarguable. Do you want to do it? No. <laughs> well, we haven't Have given any. One? Well, I can make them up. It's not... no, 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 no. No, I haven't. I haven't. Because no, no, they have to be crafted. You can't make one up on the spot. We just discussed that earlier. I like... want it. Right, right. They have to be crafted. I'm going to go for a piss. You can make one. Okay. Okay, argue the inarguable. Terry, after the events at the Copper Box the other night, one positive is how deep fighting talent is in the UK at the moment. <laughs> when boxers make you fall asleep, it's a sign that boxing's <laughs> growing in the sport, man. I, I was so comfortable with the quality of performance that my body involuntarily went into just full paralysis and I fell asleep. Now... <laughs> Now, the important thing was to make sure that I prepared my scorecard well in advance. <laughs> so I knew who was going to win and by how much. I, I fell asleep saying 120, 108, and I felt my scorecard was being slightly generous. But luckily, <laughs> it was in line. So I saved myself nine rounds, managed to have a nap, let the food settle. Absolutely brilliant. So thank you, Frank Warren, for finally making boxing that matches my natural biorhythm. <laughs> Do you know what? You spoke it into existence. <laughs> well funny, Spencer. That was, that was great. Uh, the thing is, and it would have probably been easier, but I actually meant with the blokes kicking off big time, like with throwing chairs and stuff. But yeah, fair enough. Right. You did that really well <laughs> with the falling asleep part. Okay. Right, yeah, no. Top marks. Uh, Martin. <laughs> This is such a crappy thing. It's like, okay. Uh, With Conor McGregor Mayweather. McGregor, uh, Mayweather won't have ever boxed a fighter like Conor McGregor. And if McGreg- Conor McGregor's stance gets any wider, this could be a stoppage for McGregor within the first few rounds. Absolutely. Like, not even the first few, just the first round. Right? <laughs> because when you dominate the ring to that extent... <laughs> Mayweather has nowhere to go. Literally nowhere to go. Because how can you move around a man who takes up nine tenths of a ring with his wide start? And I'm talking like he's been practicing yoga, he's been going to Pilates, he has he's like fucking stretch McGregor, this little cunt. It's like, it's like two minute hands on a watch. Yeah, he's like and so he can just pivot around that ring without having to move. He covers ninety-four percent of the ninety-four point three percent of the ring without moving just by the wide Starts. <laughs> Area equals pi r squared. <laughs> he's just doing training. Yeah, doing I training got that in wrong. the ring. With his leg spread. And he's going six o'clock, Connor. Bang. Leg one. Leg at twelve. Leg at six. Yeah, and you can't quarter punch to three, man. Connor. You can't punch a man who's that low. Quarter past nine, Connor. Five past seven, Connor. While catching playing cards. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's it then. Uh, we're really? in. Really? Uh, Is it? Oh no, sorry, of course. Wait, wait. Well, it is it, but I would say I have to say that, don't I, before you go, no, stop, and then we go, beep, beep, beep. Um, no so, exit. Yeah, things I want to touch on. Terry. Two characters. Corner. Gavin McDonnell, Marcus Morrison. Eddie Hearn clearly cares about his fighters. I think we all remember <laughs> Marcus Morrison taking a shellacking from, what's it, Jason, Jason Wee- Wellborn. Wellborn, yeah. So he then goes down to Derby to fight on a small hall show Booth. and gets smashed by Tyan Booth, who had just probably interviewed himself for IFL before <laughs> the fight. You know, like 
did he laugh about drink driving as well during that own? He interview? might have been drunk in the fight. Like I mean, it, it, apparently it was that easy. Um, and Tyne's a good fighter, but Tyne is a he's a road warrior at the best of times. So it goes to show that Matchroom aren't getting their development right because surely the booth fight should have happened before they put him on TV. Um, Gavin McDonald challenges for a world title, ends up boxing in a Steffi Ball card. Yep. Um, is there a greater fall from grace than that? Apparently, Hearn is not returning the McDonald's calls. Um, for obvious reasons, Hearn doesn't see any money in the guys. <clears throat> but for all these guys who are casuals and believe the word of Eddie Hearn, judge him by his actions. Like, no one's showing Marcus Morrison love. No one's showing Gavin McDonald love. And these are guys who just did what was asked of them, right? So, don't forget this. Boxing's a cruel sport. When you shit on these guys, remember... They're one bad result away from being a bus driver. And that's no disrespect to bus drivers, but when you've gone from being watched by hundreds of thousands of people, that's a long way down. So I think, you know, let's not lose sight of that. Um, the news, we all now know Umar Sadiq is a Frank Warren fighter, you know. Well done, Umar. Congratulations, mate. Um, stay away from the skinheads and all that. But that was good. Quite like the video that he, he announced it with. Quite clever. Lesson for other boxers, mate. Just think outside the box. It was a really good video, really well made. You know, the Streets of Feeling, my remix of it, uh, which is always good. But uh, congratulations to him. Really happy for him. He's chomping at the bit. And it's another exciting young name in that super middleweight division. He could have made his debut Saturday night and just piled into the... Uh... He might have done. Let, 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 we'll study that video again. <laughs> he might have been in there laying waste to people. But no, no, seriously, congratulations to him. Um... Interesting scenario with the Mayweather and the taxes. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't read all the legal documents, but it looks like Mayweather owes a few million in taxes, which considering how much he poses with money, for him to say, I don't have much in the way of liquid assets <laughs> is slightly worrying. He said he never taxed the, uh, sorry, never cashed the check from the Pacquiao fight. He still got the check. So he can just go and cash that and pay <laughs> it off. Or, as I suspect, he has a lot of money tied into the PBC. I think that's a big risk for him. And that's probably where Heyman put most of his money. But if Mayweather is having tax issues, I'd be worried about boxers further down the food chain because it seems the IRS are coming after anyone who's displaying wealth conspicuously. And they're saying, well, hold on. Let's just make sure your tax situation's all right. So all you guys showing off on Instagram, just remember, you don't know who's watching. Um... You know, let's, let's touch on the small hall scene. Congratulations to Anessu Twala on his debut. Um, a guy I know reasonably well. Um, you know, saw a couple of video clips. So anyone who was at the show last night, your Brooks Street Fields and so forth. That was the Goodwin shirt, your call. Yes, the yeah. Steve Goodwin shirt, your call. There was one today as well. You know, if you can get there, get there. But this only comes out on Monday, so you've missed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, so, so. Look good. I saw you know, a few 30-second clips. The best defensive boxer in this country. Watch it on Instagram at Bad News Boxing. Tell me if I'm wrong or not. But like, I saw movement there that put a smile on my face because that was, you know, it was, it was higher order defensive skills. We're hoping you can marry it to a good offense. And then there's a guy to get excited about. So congratulations to him. Um, but not much else to touch on. I think they were the three key things. But no, I do the Marcus Morrison, Gavin McDonald thing. Keep an eye on. Also, follow at Big Vern Forty Six because there is no more militant man when it comes to boxing. I think like he got a Twitter <clears> ban 
for basically sticking it to Eddie Hearn. For his basically, I mean, because apparently Hearn grasped on him as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's absolutely brilliant. Like he'll he'll just inbox you with like the most random tidbit of information. What is he, it? Big Vern forty six at Big Vern forty six. Yeah, I haven't got him. Can't find yeah. him. Honestly, follow him. Is he banned again? <laughs> Because I remember that, like, like he see, he'll feed me little tidbits. I'm like, this is too good to be true, you know. And then you go, oh shit, he was right. But no, no, good man, really loves his boxing, hates the bullshit about boxing, and will expose it where he sees fit. Yep. Okay, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Unless uh... that's over. No, you done. The show is over. Uh, Martin, I'm done, mate. I've lived in a field for 24 hours. I'm fucked. <laughs> With thanks to our special singing guest, Mr. Tim Well, one of us has to sing, Dama. right? Listen, what happens when you go off on like, maternity leave and who's going to sing in your band? <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Terry. For... Twisted Echo, available on iTunes and all good record outlets. Yeah, I tell you what. That would be ace. If everyone just went onto Facebook, right, and liked my band page, Twisted Echo, right, I won't tell my band, because they don't listen to this, <laughs> that w- w- what I've done. And they'll just get an influx, were you kind listeners to be so generous, and just like the band page f- for no particular reason, other than just to fuck with their heads <laughs> when we get a load of... Li- like, wow, we just got this load of likes. Mm, well, you must have played the guitar really well recently. Um um, <clears throat> gratuitous self-promotion section finished. We've At this point, with Terry and Martin both looking at their phones and gagging for me to pull the plug on this thing, I'm going to say thank you very much and uh, get in touch with us at New Age Boxing UK on Twitter, at The Seven Wolves, at New Age Podfather, and New Age Boxing at Outlook.com if you want to get in touch with us with a long And if email. anyone is at Wide Stance, follow them as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, questions, argue the arguables, as I had to think of a couple on the spot there. So, uh, yeah, I know it's not, uh, we've got a 50-50 split almost in the listenership. So the 50% that do want it, come on, feed us. Um, and until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. (laughs) 